welcome to episode two of Kidney Transplant Conversations, our podcast dedicated to the kidney transplant journey and exploring quality care delivery, inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. I'm Rolf Taylor, your host and series producer. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast reflect those of the participants. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month. Founded in 1996 by the National Minority Organ Tissue Transplant Education Program to bring heightened awareness to donation and transplantation in multicultural communities, focusing primarily on African American, Hispanic, Asian, Pacific Islander, and Native American communities. We'll provide a link with more information in the episode description. Please spread the word if you can. The Census Bureau estimates that there are over 60 million Latinos living in the United States, which is over 18% of the overall population, and as many as 40 million are speaking Spanish as their first language. Although Hispanics and Latinos are more likely to experience kidney failure compared to other Americans, they are less likely to access kidney transplant as a solution. The resulting disparity means more years on dialysis, reduced quality of life, and reduced life expectancy not to mention the added expense. Part of the problem is the wait list for a transplant. There simply aren't enough organs to go around. But if a living donor can be found, that is a game changer. But here we find another disparity, because the process of live donor kidney transplantation can often elude our minority populations disproportionately, particularly Hispanic, Latino, Black, and Asian people with kidney disease. Why do we have these disparities? Well, as Risa described in our first episode, Living donation is complex. It takes a lot of time and many appointments, and both patient and donor need plenty of support and the finances and logistics have to work out. But if you are from a different race or ethnicity than your provider, which is likely because of the underrepresentation of minorities in the healthcare workforce, then this will add to the complexity of the situation, because you may not share the same first language as your provider, and there are potentially cultural differences too. Aware of the need to address these issues, in 2018, Dr. Pablo Serrano established the Latino Kidney Clinic at the University of North Carolina Division of Abdominal Transplantation in Chapel Hill, with the aim of providing culturally competent and culturally sensitive care. The approach has been a great success. Over the next two episodes, we'll visit the clinic and hear from Jose, a patient, Siamara, his wife and donor, We'll speak with transplant social worker Daniela Matz and clinic founder Dr. Pablo Serrano. Jose and Ciamora Flores came to the United States from Panama in 1999 and established new careers and built a family. But in 2016, a lab test revealed Jose had some kidney disease and the need for dialysis. And for several years, Jose was receiving dialysis and he was waitlisted for a transplant with a couple of centers. So, to tell us more about their story, welcome Jose and his wife, Ciamora. Hello. Hello. Thank you to you for your invitation. So, for our listeners, could you tell us just a little bit about yourselves? Uh, well, we're living over here in North Carolina from about 22 years. I got my own business. I love to work in the field of education, my home daycare, being home, taking care of my family at the same time they take care of my business. 
the most wonderful thing that happened to me so far. I'm still learning English because my net native language is Spanish. I tried my best. Lovely to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Jose. I'm 56 years old. I met Xiomara in Panama while I was stationed in Panama uh, during my military service. We got married and we moved to North Carolina. Uh, we've been living here in Fayetteville for over 22 years, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, I've been working as a warehouse supply uh, supervisor. We have two siblings, our son, Jose, which is 28 years old, and our daughter, Genesis, uh, which was unexpected. That's why we call it Genesis as a new beginning. She's uh, 15 years old. Pretty much, uh, I've always been an active person. Um, I love the outdoors. And uh, Shamara and I have been married for over 30 years. Wow. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So a few years ago, you found out from a test that you had some kidney disease. Was that a complete surprise or had there been some like telltale signs? Rob, I'll tell you, absolutely. It was a total surprise. I was in shock. I went for routine, normal um, lab work. Um, I'm a diabetic, and my primary uh, care provider asked me to do some labs. In the evening, I had a, a phone call from the clinic in which I was going to, told me that I needed to go in immediately, that I needed dialysis. And that was the first time I've ever heard the word dialysis. And I said, no, I don't, I don't go to dialysis, and I don't you know, do any dialysis. They went ahead and they redid another test. They said my kidneys were not functioning. They were not doing what they're supposed to do, that my creatinine levels were spiked high. I'll have to stay overnight to see if they could do some treatment to, uh, I guess, wake up my organ so it can start, you know, kick kickstart it somehow. The next thing I know, I was being under surgery to put a port in my chest that will go straight to my heart to start doing dialysis immediately. Otherwise, they said I would only probably last like maybe a week or so without being dialyzed. So yes, it was a total shock for me. And that surprised the doctors too because they told me that I was, I could have dropped dead anytime. So the doctors kind of felt like you should have been feeling unwell. Right. I was really... Still not accepting the fact I, w I had something wrong with my kidneys or something was wrong. It was very frightening at the beginning. Uh, there was so much information that I had to soak in, so much other detailed uh, things that I had to take care of. I was always thinking that I would wake up the next day and, no, this is just, this is just a bad dream. I still didn't accept it, you know, for a while until they started really, you know, being invasive on me. So you went from a from an active life, family life, busy with work. So then you went into dialysis. Five and a half years. Yeah. And how was that going for dialysis for that period of time? I always told my kids that I lost five and a half years of spending time with them. Every time we had a family function or 
vacation. I couldn't go. I couldn't attend. Because of all the restrictions, I had dialysis uh, three times a week for four and a half hours plus the prep time. So you're talking about six hours a day. And they always ask me, when can we do something? And this was time when you normally spend a lot of time with your family and kids while they're growing, doing family things, family fun, family activities, going on vacations every year. And we pretty much missed out five and a half years. And during that time, did you have discussions about transplantation? My social worker at the facility that I was going to, uh, she was trying to help me out with two other hospitals. I started to do their test requirements to get on the list. It took me about two and a half years to get listed. And from there on, they kept telling me, I'm on the list, I'm on the top. It seemed like it wasn't happening. And Siamora, during that time, did you think about the possibility that you could donate a kidney? Always. Day one, I want to be the donor. If there are any possibilities that I can be the donor, I want to be. They told me, no, you can't. You have another role. You're going to be a caregiver. You're going to be the support person for your husband. They just tell me no. That was very frustrating for me because I, I when I just tried, they, they tried, they do test me or do something. So how did you hear about the Latino Kidney Clinic? During dialysis one day, I overheard one of my other dialysis patients that he was going to go UNC. UNC. Samara and I did the research and we found out they had a Latino Kidney Transplant Center. Can you remember back to that time what struck you as different about the approach of the clinic? Okay, what well, struck me the most was that when I asked him first, I'm gonna be the donor, they said yes. Um, the second best thing that got me so was they had the Spanish speaking staff member, everybody in the in the Latino. Transplant, I said, wow, it's much better because it's my first language and I feel more confident. Of course, when I'm without the with Jose, I try my best, but some words that I need a comprehension very well, it's going to be my language. I said, yes, this is the place. This is the place. And they said yes to me. I can be tested for I'll be a donor. And the second day, I speak Spanish. Wonderful. My all my surgery doctor, Dr. Serrano, speaks Spanish. Said, what? He speaks Spanish. <laughs> Wonderful. When concerned about your health, you need to know really what they're talking in black and white, what you're expecting, what you're going through, when everything be tested. You need to know. So you agreed to be tested for compatibility. Yes. And tell us about what happened when the when you got the results back. Oh my God. I remember like it was yesterday. 
when they call me in the early December, I don't remember the day was four of the seven, but my nurse, they called me and they told me was Amy. She told me, Miss Flores, congratulations. You've been tested and you are the perfect match for your husband. And she said, this is a, something wonderful because we don't have that too much often. I start jumping, like screaming. I was so happy. And Jose was close to me. And he told me, I know that in the beginning, you were my perfect match. We always say that. Uh, wonderful. I tell a lot of people, we have to be more sympathetic with this situation. Today, it was my husband. But tomorrow can be a brother, a person that needs you. Somebody need you over there to be you a living daughter. Were your family and your friends concerned that you were going to go down that path? A lot of our, our friends gave us a, a, a good positive advice. Of course, there's always, you know, there's so always somebody that's gonna say, hey, what about you? What about yourself? Um, you're gonna give an organ that you normally will have two of and you're going to be impaired for the rest of your life. She decided, you know, there was no force that made her, you know, choose otherwise. But she was her own, it was her own decision that she went ahead and said, I want to do it. I want to go ahead and help my husband. From there on, you know, friends and family supported us. They couldn't believe that, you know, she was a perfect match. And I kept telling everybody, uh, we've been perfect match for 30 <laughs> years. So, I mean, there's no difference now than, than what it was 30 years ago. So it's a, it's a beautiful story. Going through that process of all of the testing and the talking and the decision-making, medically complicated, logistically complicated. Can you imagine that you could have done that if you hadn't been in a clinic that was really quite focused on, on, on being able to speak Spanish with you? For her, it would be a much bigger battle because I'm fluent in English. She is not as fluent as I am. So I know in some terms we would have to be separated at one point or the other, and she probably would have been lost with the information or the lack of information given, or the question, the procedure and what needs to be done. So yes, it was very important. It was very uh, critical that she felt comfortable. She felt at ease speaking Spanish with the nurses, the staff, the doctors. And it made me feel comfortable that she was also at ease because, of course, I wasn't going to be with her all the time. It's striking to me the contrast between, uh, between what happened when you first suggested that Siamora could be a donor back, you know, several years ago, and, and the answer was no. And then this time, the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the Latino Kidney Clinic believed in you in a way mm -hmm. that the other clinic didn't feel so confident. So they maybe understood you better 
and were able to make a judgment about being able to go forward with this. I want to bring in um, at this at this time Daniela Matz, who is a social worker, um, transplant social worker with the Latino Kidney Clinic, and um, I just want to invite you to comment on that kind of dynamic of in the moment when you're making those decisions, does it really make a difference for you to be able to get behind that process when you can know people better because of language and communications? Yes, um, I think there is a difference, um, not only on understanding the language, but also understanding the Latino culture. Uh, we know, uh, know as Latinos, that we take care of our families and uh, we are going to make it happen. We are going to work to happen. So um, if Siomara could not be the caregiver, they came up with a plan. Somebody else was gonna be the caregiver so she could donate the kidney. I think understanding the culture and where the Latino population, how important family, how important faith is, um, it's very helpful. Well, you know, I think all of our listeners will have been will have been smiling to hear that story about how you felt when you got your test results back and you were able to proceed. But could you tell us a little bit about, you know, the recovery phase? You have surgery, you have recovery. How was it during, you know, those those weeks after you actually had the had the transplant? Even the next day after my transplant, I walk up and I tell the nurse, when can I see my husband? I'm going to go to see. <laughs> they look at me like, what are you talking about? You need to rest. And I said, no, I feel okay. I feel good, good. Nothing happened to me. And the recovery was great. Everything was smooth, like the doctor Serrano told me. Uh, so far until now, I'm okay. Nothing really hurt, nothing missing because people get the idea that, oh, you're gonna feel like something's missing in your inside. I said, nope. I envy her because her recovery phase was such shorter and easier. I mean, but thank goodness, I mean, for her, because even though she was a donor, she pretty much got out of the hospital, you know, nobody likes to be in the hospital anyways. Oh, she was out the third day. I was in the hospital recovering, which was, you know, my situation was more delicate. I was in there probably for about a month. Being in there in a month, you know, I, I could pretty much say I knew the menu for food every single day. I had, I had the menu done every time. So... I knew what was going to happen Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> they covered all the bases. They went ahead and had everything taken care of. I know I wasn't going home questioning any of the procedure or questioning any of what I needed to do. Education-wise, you know, even though sometimes I was a little bit tired, I... I went ahead and I got everything down pat and I felt comfortable leaving. Mm -hmm. So in that part, I, I mean, I felt, I felt good leaving, but at the same time, eh, I was very grateful 
for all the staff and the members of not only the, the Latino Kidney Center, but even the, the recovery team, you know, at the main hospital. It was wonderful. Jose supposed had to be out early. Something happened to him, but it was nothing expected because his it was a small is a small something happened. Well, you want to explain you during the recovery phase uh, after certain lab work that was was taken care of. They were monitoring me twenty four seven, and they found out that somehow or the other the kidney was not the the kidney was rejected not rejecting me or the transplant the kidney was rejecting some of the medication that was given to it so the kidney was working fine but the kidney was not accepting the medication given to him So they had to do a biopsy and they went ahead and made a study of what the biopsy had given to them. So they went ahead and adjusted the medication in which, of course, I had to go ahead and spend maybe a week more or, you know, or a couple of days more uh, for it to go ahead and establish itself. And they, they did. The funny thing of the story was that Even the doctors were surprised that this never happened before. They, they never found out a kidney rejecting medication. They found out kidney rejecting from the body. But now it was just, you know, just because of the well monitor and the well, um, the, they were taking care of me, they found this out. So you made a big contribution to science as well. I, I hope so. I, I believe that I did because, you know, if it wasn't for that, you know, they were surprised. I mean, I was like, really? You guys never seen this before? They've never seen this before. So now you must feel very, very connected. Yes. I want to say something to you, Ross. I am very bad person to take a medication. Even after the surgery, I don't take my, uh, after medication for the surgery, I don't even finish because that makes me sick. I don't know, now he got my kidney. <laughs> my kidney say, baby, hey, this is not part of the plan. For 52 years, I got a person, they don't take medication. <laughs> She's, the only condition they have is asthma. I don't have nothing else. No blood pressure, no high pressure, no nothing. And maybe my kidney said, why are they going to give me all this medication come from? I don't know. I just want to think like that, like you think it was my kidney was. <laughs> so the, so um, the kidney moved house, had to get used to the new environment, new rules. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Siamora, You mentioned that you that the surgery hasn't made your life more complicated in any way, that you feel no. just the same as before. Is that right? Yes. Nothing really changed in my life, but let me let me correct that. It changed for better. 
more conscious to be a healthier, more conscious to be at it with my family because this is the way they have to be. Show my kids and, and support Jose because he the one, he got energy, he, he walking to a week, like five times a week. He walking three miles. I walking with him. He got in jar. He doing exercise. Had to be in his same level to tell him, hey, I'm here. Nothing changed. For better, yes. For bad, nothing. So you've really, um, you've embraced the idea of self-care. Self-care. But how, oh, yeah. is there a Spanish I'll, equivalent to that? You can say, um, like, it's um, auto, auto cuido or... Cuidarse uno mismo. Cuidarse uno mismo. Mantenerse saludable. Yeah. Uh, Ralph, let me tell you, I just turned 53 last Friday, July 9. I feel like I had 32, 30 years old. My energy is nothing compared for a few years ago when I was just, I cannot say no. No, I no, well, no, it's not my thing. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to just watch TV. Now I'm proactive. Every time that I can do something with my family, I do. Yeah. It's a lot much better. 53, but feel like a 30. My kidney is okay, just one kidney. I believe I can live for a long, long, long time if I take care of myself. It's just to be conscious what we eat and what we do, what we, we proactive. So the whole experience showed you how life is so precious. Yes, yes. Absolutely. It's given me a second opportunity of taking a shot at life. I told her now I have two birthdays, my original birthday, which is uh, December 25th, Christmas, and January 27th. That's when the transplant was, uh, was, was done, and I give that my second birthday. Now, our last guest on the podcast, she calls it her kidneyversary. Kidneyversary, that sounds yes. right. Yes. <laughs> so... Last couple of questions, and thank you so much for all that you've shared with us today. Jose, what are a couple of things you wish you'd known much sooner, much sooner in this whole journey? If I would have known about the UNC Latino Kidney Program earlier, no doubt I would have went there first when I found out about transplant. Yes. It took five and a half years and it took a lot of work and research and I'm one of, my wife is a donor and she was pretty much doing all the legwork with the research um, in reference to trying to find something else even behind my back because I at one point I, Ralph to be honest, I was giving up. I sometimes I just 
saw some of my other dialysis patients. They were they were dying. I said, what? Am I next? What's in it for me? But I think God had a plan and and God went ahead and went ahead and made us and guided us to the things that happened. And if it wasn't for all all that, you know, I probably would have been in a worst case scenario right now. And yet you you found a way to unlock that door. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, pretty much my wife went ahead and, you know, she knocked on that door. And it was, as I said, this is a life-changing event. And I'm thankful for her and thankful for God. And things worked out. And all the wonderful people at UNC yes. Chapel Hill. Yes. I can tell you from the beginning, Miss uh, Simara Folk, Miss Lazarina Baez, uh, Dr. Serrano, Dr. Toledo. Yes. Wonderful. All the staff. All the staff. Oh, every every nurse and the face floor. Even the uh, the people uh, killing them. The same, the, the the housekeepers, the housekeepers even them, every you know, every every single person in there, they were rooting for us. Yes, 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 every single person there. That's a and, wonder. It's a wonderful story. Siamora, I'm going to let you have the last word. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about in as we close our talk today? From the bottom of my heart, I wish. A lot of people that listen this podcast educate themselves. If you have somebody with this condition, look up the way they do. Even with my limitation in English, I read, I translate every word because I want to see my my husband for many years with me. I want to keep him with me. And be more, more proactive, more, more empathize with the life. No thinking and to be a living donor is gonna be hurt your life. No, it's not. If I do, everybody can do. I always tell people that today is my husband. Tomorrow is. Is somebody that you love, a neighbor or a son, a nephew, whoever, do the best you can, educate yourself. Thank you again for this opportunity because me and Jose, we want to spread the word how UNC Latino Transplant Center, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. Everybody. Thank you again, and thank you, Ralph, for giving to me and Jose this opportunity. Today, I got my husband, Amasai, and I know God put these people in our path. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you both so much. And, and uh, 
thank you for um, for making us all cry a little bit today and making us all <laughs> laugh a little bit today. <laughs> Daniela, it must be um, wonderful for you to hear this kind of feedback about the clinic. It makes uh, it makes it all worth it. It makes it all worth, and it makes us so happy to to make a difference um, and to be able to help. Um, and you know, we say we we help patients help themselves, and uh, it is so good to hear this story, and also know the people. There are people. So beautiful stories, um, and it's a pleasure to get to know those stories, to get to know the people, and to be able to be part of this. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank because, you. It's been wonderful. Yes. And, uh, I like to speak about this miracle in our life. We're so grateful to Jose and Ciamara Flores for sharing their inspirational story. And thank you, Daniela, for joining us too. Please make sure you catch part two of our visit to the UNC Transplant Latino Kidney Clinic in the next episode, when we'll talk more with transplant social worker Daniela Matz and clinic founder Dr. Pablo Serrano. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider sharing it with others and subscribing on any of the leading podcast platforms and smart speakers. We also thank the participants and advisors who helped create this podcast and our underwriter, Veloxis Pharmaceuticals. Join us again soon for more kidney transplant conversations. Until next time, take care and be well. Copyright Project Advocacy 2021.